You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Rob. I'm Rishon. And and this this is is the Earn and Invest Podcast. Podcast. I guess it really shouldn't have come as much of a surprise. After all, my parents were into real estate. So when my wife and I bought a condo, thinking we were going to use it for fun in the city, a few months later, we realized that it was more of a pain than anything else. So we decided to rent it out. And a year later, we realized we were not just making money, but it was easy. And the real estate market was down. So before we knew it, we owned four properties. And I guess it shouldn't be much of a surprise because looking back growing up, my parents owned 10 to 15 properties. And in fact, as a kid, I remember going with my stepfather and changing light bulbs and painting walls and collecting rents. And this wasn't the only good behavior that my parents modeled. In fact, My parents were investors, so I learned early about the stock market. They were entrepreneurs and owned their own businesses. I grew up knowing about money, so I didn't have to build a legacy. I inherited one. But what if you're not as lucky as me? Yes, we all inherit a legacy, but what if your legacy is not as strong as the one that mine was? What if that legacy you inherited needs to be re-imaged, rebuilt? recovered. What do you do then? And speaking of legacy, want to learn how to manage your money better and in less time today? Jim Wayne created WalletHacks.com to help demystify money. For far too long, experts have made it complicated so they can make money off you. WalletHacks.com offers no products, no services, just information to help you become better with your money. And best of all, it's free. Check it out today at WalletHacks.com, that's W-A-L-L-E-T-H-A-C-K-S.com, and be sure to sign up for their free newsletter. Rob and Rashawn Lee paid off six figures of debt, left corporate America, and traveled around the world. Their website, Learn, Hustle, Grow, teaches us how understanding money can change our lives. Rob and Rashawn, welcome to the show. Hey, Thank you. thanks for having us, Scott. I am so excited to have you guys on. And- First and foremost, Rashawn, I need to get the info here. If I recall, the way you guys met is that Rob and you were working at the same job and he messed up your computer so that you had to call him for help. Is that right? That is correct. You got the story right. 
and married my stalker. Oh, that's man. devious, man. That's devious. <laughs> hey, man. Sometimes you got to, you know, uh, create opportunity, right? <laughs> you know, if it's not coming naturally, you got to make it happen. I mean, she was there. So that was, that was natural. But, you know, she didn't notice because it was so many people. So I had to make sure I got in front of her, right? And it worked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> so, Rob, in my introduction, I was talking about legacy, and both of you guys are the children of single mother households. Mm-hmm. In fact, you grew up in what we used to call the projects. Yes. What did you learn about money as a kid? Uh, I just, the only thing I learned is I needed it. I needed more, uh, and everyone around me did not have it. But I saw, certain people that seem to have money. And I thought, Hey, how did they get that? And why are we so broke? You know, no one could really answer the question, but I knew I had to find a way to change my circumstances as I got, got older. As a kid, were those people who you saw making money accessible to you? Were they people you could go and learn from? No. Uh, usually it was like teachers, principals, Coaches, you know, I just cross their paths for a very short period of time, right? So, uh, for example, I had a teacher, and he was a science teacher, and he was a happy guy, even though we, you know, went to a crappy school. But he said that he owned real estate, and he used to talk about, he probably shouldn't have been telling kids this, but he was saying, oh, yeah, I have to carry my weapon sometimes, right, <laughs> to, uh, to go and collect rent because, you know, my properties are in an unsavory part of town, but I, but I do own a few properties. And I was like, wow, he owns a few properties. So, you know, that kind of got me thinking back then. It sounds like a gunslinger in the wild, wild west going to, yeah. you know, collect the rent. Uh, kind of yeah. glamorous. Yeah. He, yeah. He said he was saying something at the time I didn't understand, but he was saying, oh, they're like C and D class properties. So I guess now I know that's just a, a you know, tough part of town or whatever. And that's why he said he had to carry it because he didn't want to get robbed. Rishon, you grew up in Chicago and you said at one point you attended like eight different elementary schools. Was your mom good with money? No. (laughs) My great grandmother called her a gypsy (laughs) because we moved so much. And that's why I was in eight elementary schools. So no, she had no real understanding of money. And oddly enough, she actually worked in banking. And I found today that I still meet people who work in banking and have $1,500 cell phone bills, which would indicate to me that they don't understand money. So just because someone has a job in finance or banking or anything else doesn't mean that they actually understand how to manage money is one of the things that I learned early on. But she did the absolute best with what she had. Super grateful for the fact that, you know, we always had our needs met. But credit and money were not strong points for her. It's interesting that you mentioned that because when we think of the financial industry and also the banking industry, it's different than talking about personal finance. Very different. And so those industries really are bent on making money and not necessarily educating the consumer. Whereas personal finance, a lot of what we try to do has a lot more to do with educating the consumer. But most people don't see the difference between those two. Right. Mm -hmm. They should, but they don't. (laughs) 
important. Yeah, and it's too bad, right? Because from a standpoint, your average person just doesn't realize that your banker or sometimes, unfortunately, even your financial advisor may be more interested in selling you something than helping you get ahead in life. Yeah, those guys can have a ton of debt mm-hmm. because there's a certain persona that they have to, to, give, to give to you. Um, so that you believe they're successful and success in America means that you have a lot of expensive things. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to keep working to get those things and to, you know, pay those things off. So you guys both grew up feeling the pains of a lack of money and maybe seeing on the outside that there were those people who knew how to make money but not necessarily having anyone implicitly explain it to you. How financially literate, Rob, do you think you were coming towards the end of high school? Uh, I was terrible. I, I, I didn't know anything. All I knew is I, I was going to join the Marine Corps. And once I got into the Marine Corps, that would help me financially. I figured it would help me financially. I was kind of flying blind, but I figured, hey, if I go in the military, these guys are disciplined. These are real men. That's how I felt as a young guy. I said, maybe they can help me. I had zero knowledge. (laughs) Rob, was it a financial play going into the military? How big a role did the money play in making that decision? Yes. Yes. It changed my life right away with discipline, with waking up early, with just doing things that as Americans or people or whatever we should be doing. You know, they they got us up in the morning. They told, you know, we had to exercise. We read, we did class. We did a lot of things, just good habits that should be just life skills. Honestly, they didn't teach me much about money because there's tons and there's thousands, if not millions of Marines that get money when you're young, 18, 19, and blow it on a brand new car, you know, or, or maybe a house, but mostly cars. We, we love stuff. And, you know, we like to impress the girls when we go overseas or wherever we're going. But yeah, it's not, not a whole lot of financial education when I was there. I don't know if that's changed. The fact that you mentioned that's important because good money management is all about habits and knowledge. And it sounds like the military is a great place to learn habits, but not necessarily the knowledge that then goes behind creating good behavior. Rashawn, you too were part of the military, I believe the U S army reserves. Is that something you started with? Yeah, we saw the same commercials or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I saw the one that said, be all you can be. Join the U.S. Army and we'll pay for your college education. So my goal in joining the Army Reserves was specifically toward paying for uh, my undergraduate education. And so you got involved after high school. And again, there is this same idea that financially that would give you a way to move forward. Absolutely. I knew that my mom didn't have the money for college, right, as a single mother of two and, you know, working in banking in a job that I don't think she ever made more than $10, $12 an hour at the time. Mm. So making very little money, the only way I was going to go to school is if I found a way to uh, pay for it myself. So the army had a plan where you, they gave you a signing bonus, depending on the job you signed up for. Then they paid you to uh, go for a reservist weekend one week in a month and two weeks every summer. And they had the GI Bill, which was to help pay back your student loans uh, for me as a reservist. She was much smarter than me, obviously. (laughs) That was not my motivation, if anyone was wondering. She decided, hey, I need money for college. I was trying to avoid college at at all costs because I thought only rich people went to college. 
no one I had ever known had been to college. So I joined the Marine Corps as a way out, you know, a different way out. We were both first-generation college students in our families. However, because I had been a good student, I'd had plenty of teachers along the way who had put the idea of college into my brain and said, you know, you are really smart. You can go to college. So I always thought that I could go based on the fact that I was academically strong. I just didn't know how it would be paid for. Mm. But the, uh, the Army was a great way to do that. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, and, and my mind was changed after going to the Marine Corps. And I said, wait a minute, I need to go to college, you know, after I saw the people around me. And the you know. job potential. Yes. Right? And I said, wait, this is this is not right. I, you know, I figured it out, you know, like I, around 19, 20, 19, 20 years old, I figured it out. So I said, I'm going to go eventually, but just not yet. I, you know, tried to ride out the four years to see what was going to happen. So Rashawn was corporate America the end goal? Was that like where you were headed what was going to take care of financial problems in the future for you? Yeah, absolutely. I was going to have a job where I wore nice clothes and, (laughs) you know, worked in an office environment and made a lot of money. That was the end goal. Didn't know exactly what that job was going to be. And Rob, I know you ended up in corporate America, but there was always this real estate thing going on with you, maybe based on that experience you had as a kid. Yeah. So uh, I, I ended up in corporate. I decided to in the Marine Corps. We, you know, like I said, we had plenty of we, we had to do plenty of jobs. Yet you, you had to be like a jack of all trades and had to, you know, we were just talking about the other day. We used to have to buff the floors as punishment. We had to buff the floors or, or just as free labor, you know, being the military. We took care of the base and everything. Right. What I figured out was I said, I could do anything. You know, we had to clean bathrooms, had to do, be on, you know, cooking duty, all this stuff. So I was like, I can do anything. What's making money out there? You know, I'm, I'm going to get out in four years. Well, like my third year, I said, I'm going to get out next year. And then I, I need to figure out wh- where I need to go because I don't want to continue to do this. And I know there's potential to make money out there. So when I looked up jobs, all the jobs were like computer related, right? And I said, oh, this, this IT stuff seems like it's money. You know, I did, but I thought it was just one thing. It was just, it was so many different things. I just didn't know. And I said, ah, you know what? So I went to the, one of the colleges uh, in San Diego where I was living at the time and said, Hey, you know, what are you guys doing here? And they were talking about, Oh, you know, we do software and hardware. And then that's how I ended up doing that. I said, I'll, I'll choose that to, uh, I'll choose that to uh, make, make a lot of money one day. (laughs) He was really fortunate that he had someone in the military who actually, bullied him into investing in his GI Bill. Oh, that's right. He yeah. didn't want to do it. Yeah. One of my staff sergeants, he was like, Hey guy, you know, he's, he could tell, you know, I was from a less fortunate place and he just, he just knew. And he said, Hey, you know what, what you need to do is you need to sign up for this GI Bill. And if you, we, and I said, well, what is it? And he's like, you take, we take a part of your paycheck. It's only a couple hundred every payday. And then the military matches it might even doubles it. I can't remember. It was a lot of money towards my small amount of money, kind of like a 401k plan. Right. And I said, ah, you know, I don't, I really don't want to do that. I want, I need all my money. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've been broke for a really long time. I need some new Jordans, you know? And he was like, no, listen, kid, he said, sign here. And you know, I was in the, in camp, So I was terrified of him. He said, sign here right now. And I'm going to take this paperwork. I'm going to turn it in for you. And he made me do it. I signed it. And I, I swear still to this day, I thank that man. It worked out because I had the college money, you know, when I, when I was ready to go to uh, go to IT school. So this brings us to the point where Rob is messing up your computer so that he can meet <laughs> you, Rashawn. And if I looked at your guy's life as a movie, 
right? What happens is the heroes overcome something big towards the middle of the movie. And just when you think they're in the clear, there's new tension that all of a sudden shows up and changes their lives. You guys were, in a sense, living the American dream. You were middle class. You had your corporate jobs that went along with your big debt. Why is that not the end of the story? Like, why did things change for you guys? So the change actually was the marriage, right? So I had, um, at this, at the point in which we got married, uh, I was already a single mom. Uh, I had uh, our oldest son, who at the time we met was 12. And he had our youngest son, who at the time would have been eight. And so we were just going about our lives, doing our own thing. But in order to join lives, we thought it important to talk about finances. So I wasn't going back to being broke. <laughs> neither was I. So we both are doing well in our own separate careers. Right. right? And this is my question. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so at this point, I had uh, learned enough to know that I didn't want to pay interest on credit cards if I still used them and everything. And uh, I still had a car note and I owned a home. So I'm raising a son on my own and I meet Rob and we are talking about how to join our lives. When we start to talk about finances, we realize right away that we have two very different perspectives on how money works, which for me is terrifying because I'm thinking I'd never want to be broke again. And uh, Rob had grown up different. We, we both grew we grew up actually very similar, but his understanding of debt at the time was you're going to die with it. You're going to, you're going to die with debt. And he probably doesn't even remember that today because his mindset is so completely different. If there's a such thing as really doing a 360 on the topic, or if you did a 360, you're back where you started, right? 180. So 180. <laughs> yeah, so 180. So if there's a such thing as really doing a 180 on a topic, then, you know, he has done that. So he really believed that it was no big deal to have that. So that was quite stressful early on in our relationship. And I'll pause there. Rob, you were like the real estate investor, right? So leverage and debt wasn't necessarily a bad thing to you, right? Uh, well, we weren't quite there yet. Uh, I just felt like I just felt like, hey, we're making money; we can pay it off. You know, it's it's going to be it's, the money's going to come. You know, and then we ended up getting into the real estate afterwards. Yeah, uh, he's a re- he wanted I to wanted be a real estate to. I wanted investor. To. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she was putting the pause button on that. So. Uh, <laughs> He was saying before we got married. Yeah, well, I wanted to. Yeah, I wanted to, but it's wanting and actually doing is two different things. You know, I, I, you know, what are you going to yeah. do? Rishon, tell me about this point then. You're coming together. You're bringing your lives together. Mm-hmm. You guys talk a lot about legacy. At that point in your life, what legacy were you leaving for your kids? Now, I know that's going to be different than your legacy now, but mm-hmm. what do you think you were teaching them by your actions? Because I imagine that's a big impetus for why you eventually decided to change. For me personally, um, you know, I knew my oldest son would, you know, inherit my first home. I knew he would go to college. I knew he would have a general understanding of what it meant to manage money. By this time, I'd had a pretty good handle on, you know, managing money and, and paying and paying off bills. So I felt comfortable with what I would leave him in that regard, but there would not have been 
anything. I had no intention on investing in real estate or becoming a real estate investor before we got married. So um, my view of leaving a legacy changed significantly after getting married as far as what we were capable of doing together as a team. It's an interesting question, Rod, isn't it? Because at some point, especially if you grew up without money, from all outside appearances, when you guys met, you were spectacularly successful. But I would imagine that your viewpoint looking back from today is that, yes, you had found some success, but you were far from where you needed to be. Did you see it at that point? No, no, I didn't see it. I thought, hey, I, I made it, man. You know, mama, look at me. I made it. So, uh, but no, no. Uh, but now, see, I was a I was a car guy, for example, and it just didn't matter to me. You know, I was like, hey, I, I need this F-type Jaguar. You know, I have money now. I can just get that, right? And so, but now, I think, Honestly, I think it's ridiculous now. It's weird. Now, I'm not saying that I still would not get one. Of course, I probably need a couple million, more million dollars before I feel comfortable getting it now. But yeah, it, I, was, I was good, but now I'm great mentally, you know? Can you think of a moment, Rob, when it switched? Because that thought process, you're talking about the cars, the homes, not worrying about debt. It's really hard to pivot away from thinking that way. Was yeah. there a moment or a thing that you can point to and say, aha, that's when I got it and realized I had to change? I, I don't know. Do you remember life? It wasn't until after we got married. So what happened was we both had the experience. We, we reviewed each other's credit reports before we got married. Okay. So we knew that there were some things um, that needed to be worked on. And we tried to come up with a convoluted system of paying, yeah. <laughs> of paying bills now I remember. <laughs> and managing the remainder of Rob's student loans. Yeah. So by the time we got married, um, we had already gone through our, we both gone through the point we'd accumulated debt. I accumulated credit card debt in college. We both accumulated credit card debt and student loans in college. I had paid mine down. And Rob was still paying on his. So we looked at it. We knew what we were getting into when we got into the marriage. But we thought, ah, let's do these percentages. I'll pay this. You pay that. Yeah. You know, it was going to be more of, I guess, more, more of like a roommate setup, I suppose, than, yeah. than what we do today as a married couple as far as having everything joined. Yes. Um, but after we got married, uh, Mr. Lee brought it to my attention that he didn't think that was going to be successful. Yeah, we were bumping heads, and plus, uh, you know, you know, we 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 go to church, so they they were speaking on this stuff in church and saying, "Hey, you know, you're one team, you're one, you know, basically, two shall become one." Yes, two shall become one. That's what I was looking for, and uh, and I was like, and it, it was kind of getting to me, and I was thinking, "Wow, yeah, he's right." And some people say it works the way they do it, and I just didn't feel it was right in my heart, and I, I felt like we can go much farther faster. And then I brought it up, and she, you know, she looked at me like, "Hey, man." Let me think about that. <laughs> I, was like, yeah. I was like, you brought this up after we got married. Of course. When else? <laughs> you can't bring it up when you're not married, right? Yeah. The important stuff comes really you know, afterwards, right? So, And then she said, well, I'm going to have to think about it and pray on this. And I was like, oh, man, the way she said it, I didn't sound like she wanted to pray. It was stressful <laughs> to think that, you know, somebody who spent money so very differently yeah. would it, now, we would now have access to each other's money. I, right. I oh, yeah. And she was terrified, too. Like, she didn't know me well. You know, we're still learning each other, right? 
And I wasn't just like, oh, I'm just going to go blow the bank account, you know, she just, but she didn't know that. Right. So she was kind of worried and was like, Hey, um, you know, he proposed after six months. Yeah. Yeah. We got married pretty quickly. And then we were engaged for another, for another eight, eight months right? yeah. before we got married. So we had, we were together just yeah. over a year by the time we were married. So there's a, still a lot to learn yeah. about each other. And um, right. I'm still glad that we did it that way. Yeah, yeah. But I have a friend whose husband went out and bought a boat <laughs> right after they got married with their joint finances. Uh, he has a former coworker who went out and bought a motorcycle yeah. with the couple's joint money. Yeah. So uh, these things had happened before we decided to join our finances. Right. And I just thought this could happen to us. Yeah. So I'm terrified. But I wasn't going to do it. Rob, was it Dave Ramsey that eventually brought you guys to the same place? Yes, yes, the total money makeover. Yeah, we we got that. I'm not sure where it came from. Yeah, that's what happened. At, so that's what happened after prayer. Honestly, yeah. it was very stressful. <laughs> you know, he agreed to give me some time to pray about it. Somehow, I, I was having a conversation with a former manager at uh, work. Yes, um, at the time, and he was telling me how he paid off his law school debt on a beans and rice diet using Dave Ramsey's total Total money money makeover. And I came home and suggested it. He Mm -hmm. was totally open to it. Yeah. Uh, One of the things I love about him, if he, if he, if you give him a great idea, he's completely open to, you know, running with that. And um, I love learning new stuff. Yes. Loves learning new things. So So that's been awesome for us. I've got the audio book and yep. And I listen to it every day driving to work for the next week and just blew right through it. And then I bought, we bought several copies for our family and friends, you know, and sent them out, you know, because we were like, Oh, we know some people that need this. Right. (laughs) (laughs) To just clarify, Rishon, when you're talking about, you were praying on it, this idea of actually combining your finances and moving on together as a unit. That's what kind of had caused you some fear and anxiety after you got a good look at his credit score, et cetera. But it was Dave Ramsey where you finally both could agree and say, okay, now here's a way forward that we can do together. Interestingly, you sent the book to your family. You know, we sent it to five people each Each, because it was $10 special at the time. We spent a hundred bucks and spent it to send it to 10 different people. Yeah. And because it wouldn't be unheard of that you might have a hand in supporting some of your friends and family too, if you were the successful ones of the yeah, group. Yeah, we thought this is great information. Yes. We wanted everybody to have it. Yeah. We thought, you know, we, we knew we weren't the only ones in that situation. Unfortunately, everybody's not ready though. So you're at this point, you're getting control of your finances. It's interesting that you eventually pivoted to leaving corporate America. Like you would think that most people would double down and say, okay, I'm going to work harder. I'm going to get the next promotion. I'm going to move forward. Rob, at what point did you realize, okay, I can only go so far if we stay in corporate America. We have to go entrepreneurial. We have to take that step outside the box and do things differently. I think it started when, so when we were listening, first we listened to Dave Ramsey and then I got kind of addicted to audio books on Audible. And uh, Rashawn, she brought another book from a coworker or a boss or something that was called The Millionaire Real Estate Investor. Mm-hmm. And because uh, I was thinking about I'd already, you know, so just taking a step back, me and my best friend, we were in college talking about we're going to get in real estate and be moguls one day. And we even moved to Virginia and, you know, saying that we were going to do this. But by the time we got to Virginia, you know, everything was just all time highs. So then we ended up. So now I ended up moving to Texas 
where I knew the real estate was lower. And I said, I'm going to do this in Texas. And he was still in Virginia. And then I met her. Fast forward again. Now, then I was, it kind of came back up in my mind after 2008 hit. And they were saying, I saw all these signs in our really nice neighborhood saying, you know, foreclosure, pre-foreclosure, all this stuff. And I was thinking, then I thought there's an opportunity here because we were focused on just paying off the house. We were doubling down on our house that we were living in and just saying, oh, we're going to, we, we had this big dream, you know, me and her, me and Sean saying, hey, we're going to pay off this house and then we're going to travel the world and we're going to work at Starbucks, right? Because we, <laughs> we figured, hey, if you don't need, you know, if you, this is the thing. Everybody thinks that you need more money all the time, right? And, and you do need more money, you know, to fulfill your dreams and goals. But we kind of figured out if we just lower our debt, then we won't need as much. And we can, you know, we can live off of a lower cost and still do the things we want to do with a little bit more money. So that's how it kind of came to be. And Rishan, were you all in on leaving corporate America or was that a strange idea to you at first? So I will say that uh, we, so we were married in 2009. So we got married during the recession, right? So getting married during a recession definitely impacts the way that you see things and the way you plan uh, long-term. Now, initially when he wanted to invest in real estate right away, and actually, he wanted to, to purchase a, a new home, right? The home that would be ours, which I think is probably standard for a lot of people when they first get married, instead of moving into the home that I had already owned. I wasn't ready to move that quickly. My fr- uh, frame of mind was, let's slow things down. We have uh, a kid about to start high school. Why don't we wait until after he graduates high school? And then we can figure out exactly what it is we want at that time. So that's what helped us to spend more time focusing on paying off the mortgage at that house. And we also did a slight remodel once we decided yep. we were going to make that our first re- our first rental. And that way we could live in it and enjoy the remodel mm-hmm. for a couple, couple of years. years. Yep. And then when we moved out, there would be no fixing up to do. It would just be, you know, ready to rent. Yep. So we decided a couple years into our marriage, okay, you know, let's um, make this place ready to go. And then after we'd been married for a few years and started to look for that place uh, for, our, for our first rental, it was Bigger Pockets, right? Yeah. He'd been listening to Bigger Pockets. Mm. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> a lot. That's what started to change things. He'd been yes. listening to Bigger Pockets and he was really trying to get me to listen to it. I had a very high stress job. I traveled uh, at least twice a month. Uh, I was on the road anywhere from. Uh, two to four days a week. And um, I was just like, I'm just too busy. I can't, I'm overwhelmed with work. I can't even listen to that. I changed jobs. I had a job transition. And when you're changing jobs, you have a little bit of a downtime while you're learning things. And that's when I would start to listen to the Bigger Pockets podcast while I was in hotels and everything traveling. And it was all of that conversation mm-hmm. about financial freedom, mm-hmm. taking the real estate investment to the next level that got us to thinking about, man, this could lead to us leaving corporate America. And that was another thing, too. Uh, the way she worked and the way that the, the stress that, that it caused her, no matter how much money she was making, it was affecting her health. She was always gone. And I was like, this is how marriages fail. And this is how, you know, things just go wrong, right? Your health, your marriage, everything. And I was thinking, you know what? I think we, 
in my mind, I was doubling down saying, we really need to do this even more now, you know, and that's how, that's, I think that's how I came to be. Yeah. He definitely had the more aggressive vision when it came to real estate investing. Like he told you early on, he knew he wanted to, you know, be a real estate mogul after reading the book, um, millionaire real estate investor and listening to the bigger pockets podcast Mm -hmm. and all the different things we could do from a creative financing perspective Mm -hmm. that could help us move forward. That's when I was like, Oh, I see the vision. It was light bulb. Let's buy some single family homes. (laughs) (laughs) In the first half of the show, Rob and Rishon talked about how they were brought up to think about money. After the break, we discuss how they are building a legacy for their children. But first... You know what? I love our meals from Factor. My son started getting them about a year ago when he needed a quick alternative to meals on the go. But where we've really enjoyed them is we've been remodeling our kitchen. That's right. We've had no access to our kitchen for the last few weeks. And some nights we just had no idea what to do for a meal. That is where Factor came in. We would just pop the meal in the microwave and two minutes later, we'd have a fantastic meal. You can do the exact same thing. And there's tons of variety. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week. These are chef-prepared meals. And let me tell you, they are delicious. No fuss, no mess. You just put it in the microwave. And two minutes later, You have a meal. This is tailored to your schedule. You can customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Head to factormeals.com slash earn50 and use your code earn50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code earn50 at factormeals.com slash earn50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Want to learn how to manage your money better and in less time today? Jim Wing created WalletHacks.com to help demystify money. For far too long, experts have made it complicated so they can make money off you. WalletHacks.com offers no products, no services, just information to help you become better with your money. And best of all, it's free. Check it out today at WalletHacks.com. That's W-A-L-L-E-T-H-A-C-K-S.com. And be sure to sign up for their free newsletter. And Rob, I love this fact, and I think this is the second time you've now said this in this discussion. The first time when you were talking about going to church and bringing your finances together, and now again, you just said, you know, Rishan was getting burned out at work. Clearly, you put your relationship before money, which is not something we always see, right? It's that old Susie Orman saying, right? People first. But most people don't necessarily follow that. And maybe that's why they have trouble in their marriages. You guys have been real intentional yeah. about looking after yourselves first before the money comes into the conversation. Yeah. There's, we, we talk about it all the time. There's tons and tons of rich millionaire actors, athletes, whatever, that have all this money and they're still not happy. You know, I think you need to be healthy and happy first. And then if you have the money, then that's a big bonus, right? So, Rishan, let's talk about what happens after you guys leave corporate America. I mean, in a small period of time, Rob ends up with a real estate license. You end up with a travel agent career. 
you then travel the world, you start learn to hustle, grow. Tell me a little bit about how even after kind of deciding to leave your corporate jobs, your idea of what to do with yourselves and how to make money has evolved. Wow, that is, that's a really good question. So Rob got his real estate license while we were still working in corporate. Because we were investing and planning on buying a new property at least once a year, we thought it would be a good idea to have the inside track and also to save some money on those realtor fees. Then uh, I was just wanting to leave at this point. I was like, <laughs> I was like, like I need to take a break from corporate and figure out what it is I can do as an entrepreneur. I need to take the time off. And he was like, well, I want to go to, <laughs> it was honestly, you know, me being stressed out and overwhelmed and ready to leave. I wanted her to go. That he, that, and, and, and then he decided, well, if you're believing, I'm but leaving. I'm jealous. Yeah, he was like, and so when he decided to leave with me, I said, well, if you're going to leave with me, then this is probably the perfect time to travel. Yeah. The idea to travel came from, well, if we're both going to leave work and both of our kids were actually scheduled to graduate that year in 2018, the youngest one would be graduating from high school. The mm-hmm. oldest one would be graduating from college. Mm-hmm. And we thought, well, we will ring in the new year. We will start January of 2019 on an international trip. That's kind of how that came along. And then so once we had that idea, I thought, well, I need something that I can do to make money while we're traveling. I'd heard about this home-based travel agent uh, idea. Uh, It didn't make any sense to me to do while I was in corporate because I didn't have any, my job didn't allow for a a side hustle. As a professional salesperson, I could leverage my uh, sales and bonus plan to increase my money more than any side hustle could ever do for me. So I decided that I would take advantage of this travel agent thing that I'd heard about from so many people and I could book our travel, Mm -hmm. you know, save us some money on traveling. And at the same time, book trips for other people, you know, communicating via social media, letting everybody know we were traveling and that we owned a travel company. Hey, come book travel with us. Yeah, and look at us. We were, you know, we were traveling. Right. So, so we were, a, we're in a Iceland, fantastic right? idea. Egypt, and they're like, oh my God, I want to go there. Hey, she can book you. And that's what, that was our thought process. So. Rob, what hits me as I listen to you guys is that you started pivoting to create the life you wanted. And once you did that, you found you were able to pivot much faster, right? So when you first met, it took you years to decide to leave corporate America. Before you know it, you're traveling the world, acting as travel agents and realtors. How the heck did day trading come into this? Like that, that is a big pivot. Where did that come from? You have done your homework. (laughs) So now here we are in COVID. Right now, COVID-19 is wreaking havoc on the world. You know, we've lost lives. We, the economy has been challenged. Lots and lots of people have lost their jobs. And travel is dead. Really. <laughs> travel industry is dead. Uh, there are still people taking trips here and there. However, however our business specialized in international travel. If you needed a passport, then we would book your travel. We didn't, we never booked U.S. travel. And travel agents don't get paid until after the trip is taken. So any trips that I booked for clients to travel in 2020, no money. COVID came in and in March, everything was shut down. Not many trips have been taken yet. No money. 
But before that, we start started to think we need another stream of income. Right. And January of 2020, we were like, you know, we need another stream of income. Let's start to investigate because our payoff for, you know, real estate and travel was so far down the road as far as not being able to get the money until after a house was sold or after a trip was taken. And once we began to investigate, we looked at some of the people we'd met at FinCon yes. in the personal finance community. Yes. There are several uh, people who actually teach investing within the community abroad. And Doc, you might know Terry Egioma or Tila. Uh, Tila Holcomb or some of the other folks that you know are, are at FinCon. But we looked at them and then we actually went out and took a course at a local place here in Dallas that actually had a brick and mortar school Mm -hmm. called online trading Academy. And after reviewing what they had to offer and what they wanted to charge for what they had to (laughs) offer, we thought, Oh my God, we're running back to Terry. That's not, that's not (laughs) FI. (laughs) We're like, we're running back to Terry Egioma's course. Yeah. We thought she was expensive until we went over to online trading Academy. And we thought we are signing up for the trade and travel course right right away. So we are students in the trade and travel course, um, what you call the VIP course. And we are learning to um, trade stocks, day trading and swing trading, also learning to um, trade options. And so it's been, it's been really good. We've learned a lot and without it, this whole situation would have been so much more stressful because we know that we can make money trading stocks. It makes it a little easier, you know, to not have to not have um, any travel business coming in right now. It's like we did everything right before all these things happened. Like we went, we traveled for a year before COVID. Then, just two examples. Then we took the day trading course. Well, she took the day trading course right before the big collapse and COVID and all that. So it's like we were inching right in front of this, and we. Things were just set up really and it just good. Worked out that way, yeah. right? And also for the uh, the course that we took, though, we also did a uh, on YouTube. We did a review just to let everybody know that it was great, how, how we felt about it or whatever. So, and we and we've still been using. it. I'm taking it now because she just keeps talking about it. So it's all good. Just just a few terms so people understand. I just did an episode on this. So day trading is usually trading stocks within the day. Swing trading yes. is usually days to week, but they're short-term trades. And options, if you are buying, selling options, what you're doing is you're paying a fraction of the price for the option to buy a stock depending on whether it goes up or down to a certain price. So That's these right. are things that a lot of people in our community don't necessarily understand, but there's a whole wow. language and ideology that goes along with day trading. And it's really interesting, something I would have pretty much thrown out as a possibility a month or two ago, mm-hmm. I recorded an episode and learned a little bit about it. And yeah. there are definitely ways to make a income doing that, which yeah. I yes. don't understand. It's not about like these huge big wins. It's about making consistent small gains. Exactly. It, becomes, it becomes a cash flowing ability just like a a real estate would be. So it's a a really interesting look at how to make money. I want to take this conversation completely full circle. Okay. Rob, when you guys, at the start of a lot of your YouTube videos, you say, hey, legacy builders, and probably the first words on your website, the first bit of copy you see is learn, hustle, grow is about creating a legacy. 
It's obviously really important to your message. Why is a legacy so important to you guys? Uh, I think it's important because for generations in my family and in my wife's family, I believe there's been a lot of struggle, right? Um, I remember just a side note, when my grandfather passed away, we have a pretty large family, decent sized family. My grandmother had seven children, right? Um, And then all of them had children and I'm one of those children. But when my grandfather passed away, even though he had seven children, we did not, they, I'll say they, because that was their dad. They didn't have the money to bury him, right? And I was young and maybe 20 years old in Marine Corps, 21 something. And I thought, wow, this is really sad. You know, that has sucked with me since it happened, right? And I just don't want, I mean, I don't want to just leave my kids something. That's, that's one, that's one thing. But also I want to make sure that they learn and they take care of what they have and they grow what they have so we can move our family forward, Mm -hmm. you know, financially as the next generation comes along. So that's what that means. As I was talking about in the intro, we all inherit a legacy, but some of them need to be built upon, which is something you guys certainly seem to be trying to do. Rashawn, talk to me about non-financial legacy. I mean, there's a lot more here you guys are doing than just making money. You are learning businesses. You Mm -hmm. are traveling. What other sorts of things do you wish to leave to your children and grandchildren? What I want to make sure, and I think we both agree on this, is we want to make sure that we leave an example of a strong family unit because we believe that that's where everything starts. Mm -hmm. Our ability to love and respect each other as husband and wife and the example that we set for our boys, we believe that that helps to set them up for success and hopefully their children as well. Uh, Studies show that families with two income households tend to thrive um, and leave better legacies than single parent households is, you know, just a, that's, then that's a numbers thing based on research, but what it leaves for our children as far as emotional stability and, um, and just their faith Mm -hmm. in, in love and relationships. That's huge. That's huge for us. Absolutely. Tell me what your plans are for the Learn, Hustle, Grow platform. Where are you taking it? Where do you see it going in the future? We're not sure what we want to do with the Learn, Hustle, Grow platform. We know that right now, um, real estate and uh, stock have been our areas where we've been most successful. Even even before we started to take this course, we were already investors in the stock market. Real estate has been has where we've gotten our you know biggest return as far as money that we can right. access today. So. But we've um, been investing long term for our retirement and in um, and in brokerage accounts before we came to the point of becoming of trading. Right. So we found that those two areas just make us happiest. Yeah, the learn hustle, the learn hustle growth thing is here. Still, to be honest with you, it's here. It's you know YouTube. We've we've done like a hundred videos but we were pulling back from it, right? Uh, as far as uh, doing like the weekly videos and stuff, because it, it was stressful. It, it was causing turmoil <laughs> in our creative differences in our marriage, right? Yeah. And we were, we were much happier without it. So 
I mean, if you just say, hey, what, what are you guys planning on doing for the future? We'll say, well, we'll do one, but it's just not that. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that is course, one of my last questions is first. what's up next with you. But yeah, I like, again, but that plays into exactly what you guys have been talking about this whole time is you guys put your relationship first, which I think is important. I mean, it's an important financial message because we lose that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, Rob and Rishon, it has been a pleasure having you and learning about this importance of legacy. We are born with the legacy of our parents and grandparents, and yet we can grow and build it and hopefully leave something better for our children and grandchildren that come. It's been a pleasure talking to you guys, and I want to leave you with the same question I leave all my guests what is up next in your life? And if people want to know more or contact you, where can they find you? If they want to know more about us and contact us, they can definitely check out learnhustlegrow.com. We are also on Instagram under Learn Hustle Grow. And our YouTube channel shares not only our travel experience, but also we've tried to answer all of the frequently asked questions about how we got to where we are today as it pertains to money and investing. So that was, uh, we created that channel in an effort to give back for those people who are interested in learning, but may not be in a place where they can go out and pay for a course, but they can get the basics of uh, what we've done and, and where we are today. So definitely that's how you can find us. And we're going to continue to do more of the same. Rob is an active full-time real estate uh, agent right now. And in addition to helping clients to buy, sell, and invest, uh, our plan is to build an income via real estate and trading that will allow us to continue to buy additional real estate investments in the future. I am definitely, oh, by the way, I've definitely gotten tons of calls since COVID started and many, many people want to invest in Dallas. So that's, that's been my biggest clientele right now. I've been set selling uh, single family homes for investment. People are moving in and then they're saying, Hey, in a year I'm going to move out and uh, just get another one. And I, I think that's a great way to go. So. Yeah. It's amazing that real estate has kept active in this yes. crazy time of pandemic recession, Very. COVID Very and, uh, <laughs> I know that's it's definitely part of my portfolio and I'm glad it's there as we look at the bumps that may or may not come to the stock market, knowing that you have this diversified portfolio that includes real estate is quite helpful. Yes. All right. Well, this has been the Earn and Invest podcast. On behalf of myself, Doc G, I'd like to thank Rob and Rishon Lee from Learn, Hustle, Grow. That's a wrap. Thanks, Doc Thank G. you. The truth is, I sometimes go out on a limb with the Earn and Invest podcast. I have guests on or we talk about topics that are controversial, that are difficult. Sometimes they are not the happy-go-lucky topics that you hear on other podcasts. Recently, we did an episode of Money, Mental Health, and Hope. And I was really interested in what people's responses were going to be to this episode. And I wanted to highlight one from FAZAC61. This was on Apple Podcasts, and it was a review I got. Zach said, moved by your sharing. I found this podcast while browsing the finance section. I was pleasantly overwhelmed and inspired by the episode on money, mental health, and hope. 
As a psychiatrist, I thank you for the courage to have these conversations. September is Suicide Prevention Month, and this content is so timely. In May, I was terminated from my employment of nearly five years in the midst of COVID. You'd think that doctors would have job security during a pandemic. I have had to pivot to start a private practice last month, and this has been a great blessing in disguise. It is truly a privilege to be a mental health healer during these times. Learning about personal financial literacy over the years has proven quite helpful to have empathy and advice for my patients and families. Thanks again. I just want to say thank you to Zach for leaving that review. These are difficult times. They're unprecedented, and we get through them together. But we can't get through them unless we're willing to discuss the difficult topics. Look, no one wants to talk about depression. No one wants to talk about suicide awareness. It's not the most uplifting topic. On the other hand, this is what we go through, especially when we're stuck in our homes or losing our jobs or life is not going the way we expected. So it was really great to get that feedback. I hope you guys keep enjoying these conversations we have here on Earn and Invest, even when they're difficult, even when the topics are tough. I hope you'll still tune in to listen because I think it's important that we have a place to have these conversations. Thanks again, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. So I'm really excited to have John from ESI Money on today. I just have to tell you, ESI Money was one of the first blogs I went to, not only because I really love the content, but when I became a content producer, when I started writing my own blog, Diversify, I got really excited about his millionaire interview posts. And the reason why is I knew that if I applied to be on that post, I automatically would get a bunch of traffic to my website. So it was a good chance to talk about me, my message, and how I accumulated my wealth. But as a content producer, it was really cool that I could be on a top blog without really having much credibility yet except for my net worth. So that was really cool. That's how I met John originally. And I'm real happy to have him back today to talk about a new venture of his called the Millionaire Money Mentors, which started really with the millionaire interviews. Before we get to all that, John, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I am really excited about talking about this new venture of yours, but let's start with the millionaire interviews. This is a really popular segment on your blog and you've been doing it for a long time. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really kind of grown over time. It, it happened, I can't remember, it's been so long now. It started actually on another blog that I had and I, and, um, I just said, Hey, you know, maybe people are interested in millionaires. I love the millionaire next door. Um, let's just see what, if we can kind of get into people's lives and talk about, you know, what, how they've made their millions or at least a million. Um, and I started with a bunch of just real simple questions. They've evolved over time. Um, but people loved them from the get go. And then somehow they, um, one led to two led to three and then more people just kept volunteering and it kind of snowballed. And now we just had our 200th uh, millionaire interview just uh, not too long ago. And I have 19 or 20 that are already in my software, ready to go every Monday. So I've got all the way through like March now or something like that set and ready to go. So they're not slowing down. In fact, um, with the launch of the, of the new membership site, more people have volunteered and said, hey, I'd like to do a millionaire interview as well. So um, yeah, I think it's going to keep going for a while. 
It hits me that there are two really cool aspects to the series. One is the voyeur aspect. So we like to read about how other people make it. But the other side of that is how instructive it can be to aggregate this many millionaires who are telling their secrets in these basic posts that follow the same format so we can compare person to person. Tell me about this new venture, the Millionaire Money Mentors. How did this idea come about? It was kind of several different things. Like It's like a lot of life. Several different things come together and go, and you kind of go, oh, maybe this could be something. Um, but the primary two were, first of all, on every million, almost every single millionaire interview, I get a comment from a reader or several readers along the lines of, boy, I wish I could have coffee with this person. I wish I could just have this person in my life somehow. I have no one else to talk money to that knows what they're talking about. I wish this, you know, I could connect. We both live in, you know, blank city. I wish we could uh, get together. Um, so I have the readers telling me they want to connect with millionaires. And then more recently, the millionaires would say to me after they, after their interview posted and they got a lot of feedback and they were, you know, they were talking to people about you know, specific aspects of their lives and, and the readers' lives as well. Um, they started coming back to me and saying, you know, if you need any more help doing anything, I just want to help people. I want to use my experience. It took me 30 years to get where I am. And if I knew now what I knew then, if I knew then what I know now, it would take me like 10. So I can save people time. I can save them money and I'm willing to help however you want to. So you put those two things together and I'm like, okay, I just got to get millionaires and people who want to be wealthier together somehow. And that's how this new membership site came about. And I want to take a pause to say how exciting that is. The experts, quote unquote, the millionaires are volunteering their time and saying they want to be a part of this. It speaks to how cool this platform must be if they're volunteering their time to be here. Pretty much they're taking something very valuable, which is their experience and saying, let me be a part of this community so I can help other people who want to get there too. Yeah, these are really giving people for, I mean, first of all, to do a millionaire interview, the minimum criteria is 2,000 words. Um, so most of them, though, are like 5,000 words. So they spend a lot of time just to do that. And now they're going to take their time in addition to that and say, I want to help somebody one-on-one. -on -one. I want to help somebody in group. I want to help share you know, what I've done with dividend investing, what I've done with real estate and make someone else's life easier, better help them gain wealth faster, whatever. And so they are a really, really giving group. And it's similar to what you read in The Millionaire Next Door. It's not the flashy people that are, you know, throwing money, you know, out of their Mercedes as they get to go to a five-star restaurant. These are just everyday people like you and me who uh, applied great principles over a, a decent amount of time and became wealthy. And giving is part of their nature, really. So let's talk about the Millionaire Money Mentors. Is this a membership program? Is that the way it's set up? So it is a membership program. Um, and, I, and I played with, so I've had people for years now, because we've been running the millionaire interviews, tell me, you need to do something with the millionaires. You need to write a book. You need to, you know, do a podcast. You need to do whatever. And nothing really felt right for me um, until these two things ha you know, started to really happen and come together um, that I explained earlier. So as I started to investigate, I was going to actually make this a class where like, hey, you can come in and here's a class that is quote unquote taught by millionaires. 
and it's all self-serve and everything. But there really isn't the give and take that I wanted then. I mean, if you come in and you want to know something specific, you want to know something specific. You want to have a conversation with someone about your exact situation, which is going to be unique to you and probably not replicated anywhere else. So you're going to have to have a way to not only ask them about your situation, but then you're also going to want to you know, go back and forth a little bit. And just a forum or discussion board seemed like the best way to do it. Um, I also wanted to have control of it. So, you know, a Facebook group, for instance, could be an option, you know, but Facebook is notorious for changing the rules and doing a bunch of stuff that I'm not really too excited about. So I wanted to have it you know, something that I can control. And then I um, actually had a, like a little steering committee committee of millionaires, if you want to call it that. Some of the guys I've really become good friends with over the years. And when I presented this idea to them, they liked the idea in general. They liked the membership idea. And they said, you have to charge something for it. Because if you don't, people will not take it seriously. They will not apply it. They will not take effort. But if they, but, but if they, pay something for it, they will listen and they will apply. And that's what we think will be more effective actually if you charge than if you don't. So let's talk about the guts of the program a little bit. How much is a membership and what does that include? What options are there for people to participate? So there's one level of membership. So everybody gets the same thing. Um, it's $29 per month. If you want to do a month to month basis, if you want to do it uh, annually, $290 we're actually seeing more people take the annual plan so far, which is kind of interesting. Uh, I guess if people want to save money, right? Because you get <laughs> you get some, some months for free if you go for the annual plan. So they all get access to the millionaires. They all get the community aspects, which is a big thing, by the way, given that we're all kind of in various phases of lockdown or have been in lockdown or going into lockdown or whatever. Um, you know, people are looking for ways to connect and they're at home. And this is another way that they can connect around a topic that they're excited about. So they have the community. We're going to have some great experts. So a couple of them are real. I mean, I kind of picked the experts that I want to talk to and I want to, you know, really get into um, the weeds with. So we have um, Sarah, and I'm probably going to pronounce her name wrong. I'm terrible with pronouncing names, but it's Falaw, I think is her last name, but she's the president of data points. You've probably heard of the book, The Millionaire Next Door. The next mil- She wrote The Next Millionaire Next Door. Her father wrote The Millionaire Next Door. Um, so he is a hero of mine personally, of many people, uh, many of the millionaires. It's the top book of the millionaires that, that I've interviewed. It's the top book that they've read that's influenced them the most. So she's coming on, Wes Moss. Who wrote um, "You Can Retire Sooner Than You Think," which I think is probably one of the best retirement books out there now, is going to come on. I got a lot of questions for him because he's got a few things that are kind of interesting, uh, little interesting spins. Um, and then we have some experts in uh, topics that they want to, uh, that people want to know about. So long-term care insurance, uh, estate planning. You know, I'm not an expert in these, and most of the millionaires aren't, but we can bring in people that we know that are experts and and. And then members can ask specific questions and the millionaires can too. So the millionaires are, are getting something out of this as well. They're learning themselves. That's another thing about being a millionaire. It's not like you get there and you stop learning and you stop growing and you're like, okay, I'm done. Now I can just, you know, coast. These people are continually learning and they learn. Uh, they sp- we spent two uh, weeks in the forums alone just with the millionaires and, and there was a huge amount of discussion going on just among us. We're also going to do a book club every month. If you look at any studies, you'll see that, you know, 
people who are wealthy are readers. You know, they read and they consume and they apply and they grow in knowledge. Um, so we're going to pick uh, a book. You know, we're going to go through it together. And then we're going to focus heavily on, okay, now that we've read this, what are you doing? What's, how's this going to change your financial life as a result of uh, reading this book? Because you can read a book and enjoy it, but you might as well read fiction at that point in time. What's it going to do to change? What's it going to do to change your life? So we're right now voting on what the book will be for uh, next month. Um, we'll let the readers decide that, the members, and then we'll go off with that. And then um, from there, we'll see what what comes. So I've done, I've had forums before when I owned Rockstar Finance, we had forums and a lot of unexpected good things come up like, Hey, have you thought about doing this? Or have you thought about doing that? So that a lot of that will be member generated in the future. We wanted to lead with, when you have a product offering, you want to have enough that offers way more value than what it costs, but you also want, don't want to have so much that people get in there and it's like, wow, this is so much. I don't even know where to start. I don't know what to do. It's just too much for me to handle. So we tried to pick a balance between those two. And we started with what we thought would be the most valuable right away, but we'll see what they suggest. You know, we'll see what um, ideas they come up with. And there will be some that will, that will be winners. I know there will. So it sounds like to begin with, there'll be an open forum at uh, ask me anything, expert interviews, a book club, and general community, and the future, who knows? I saw you write in your post about this, the idea of eventual masterminds or a private podcast just for the group. There's all sorts of possibilities in the future, uh, assuming that people get into it and are excited about the community. Right. I I imagine that there will be friendships formed. I know there will be. And there'll be uh, groups probably break off. There'll be members connecting with millionaires specifically in their cities, uh, states, whatever. And all that's part of the thing. So we're going to start it with the, like I said, the best stuff, and then we'll let it grow organically. And I think it'll do uh, well doing that. And on some level, you will be limiting membership. So if you get to a certain number of people in the group, you're going to protect against overexpanding and making it feel uncomfortable. Right. I've, I, uh, and I'm not 100% sure what that is. So the good news is we're getting more millionaires as we launch the program. We're getting more people volunteer and say, oh, yeah, I, I want to be involved. You know, we invited them a, a while ago, but some of them are just getting back to us now. I want, I think I want to have a good, it's kind of like a student to teacher ratio, right? You want to have kind of a good number of how many millionaires do I want to have compared to how many members? I don't know what that is right now. And I know online is different than the classroom. Um, right now we're um, actually getting close to 60 millionaires in the forum. So, you know, that number is growing. That's, that's, you know, if each of them handled, you know, five, that'd be 300 people right there. Is 300 the right? Is 200? Is it 400? I don't know. So we'll kind of grow. We'll see how people get assimilated in and how good we are at assimilating them and meeting their needs. And then if we think we can handle more, we'll expand from there. And if we don't, we'll just close it off at that point in time. And it's notable that although you are just opening up the group now, you've been beta testing with millionaires and the group has been going for a little while now and it's really been gelling. It has been gelling, yeah. They, you know, because they learn from each other and they have different expertise areas. So somebody's an expert expert in dividend investing, and someone else wants to get into that, right? Even though they're a millionaire, they want to get into that. They want to know about it, but they don't know anything about it. So somebody else does, or real estate investing, or 
whatever it might be. Um, so yeah, they're, they're chatting, they're, they're sharing personal things in their lives. Like, Hey, my kids are going to college. How do I deal with that? And someone's like, Oh, I just went through that. Here's what you should do. And then we're talking about saving for college and how you pay for it and all that sort of stuff. Um, that's a challenge for people with a high net worth and high income, right? Like, you know, they don't want to fork over. They, they could, if they had to fork over a bunch of money for college, but how do you really do it and, and, and get a great deal on college? So we talked, to, we've talked a lot about that. So it's already become a good, a great community. And I think with the members coming, it'll be even better. The community is the millionaire money mentors. You can find out more by going to earnandinvest.com slash ESI. That's earnandinvest.com slash ESI. John, thank you for coming on and telling us about this new community. It really sounds exciting. Yeah, thanks, Doc. I appreciate you having me on. Awesome. You guys are great. Okay. That was a fun conversation. Um, you, I knew immediately with you guys when I looked at your website and when I started listening to your podcast that I wanted to talk to you guys about legacy. Because again, when you want to know what a content creator really cares about, look at the first few things they write in their about me page or look at the first thing you see as copy when you go to their website. And uh, I think you guys have done a really nice job of showing how to change those patterns that we grow up in, right? Because I think that's exactly what you guys did. You were incredibly thoughtful and are really building something, I think, for the future generations. And that's really cool. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I want to take in future grandkids. Yeah. They're not here yet. But for sure. And, in, and enjoy the years <laughs> you have, right? I mean, yes. who just like leaves corporate America and takes a year and travels the world? I mean, a lot of people don't do that, so... Uh, I miss it. Yeah. yeah. You ready? You ready to go? <laughs> I am. Without COVID? Yeah. Let me see. I'm totally fine with this break. I'm so exhausted after yeah. you traveled. I no. Did, I, I can definitely <laughs> wait another year. Cool. So are you happier now that you've stepped away from medicine? Oh, God, yes. I, I, I loved medicine. Actually, it's hard for me because I think it's the thing I did best in the world. Mm-hmm. Um but it took a toll. And so I'm 47 years old. And after doing it for, you know, since I was, you know, after if I got out of college at 22, right? So from mm-hmm. 22 to 45 or so, I was full tilt medicine. And, you know, at some point I realized, A, I had enough money and B, that this was not, I had made this thing into my identity that wasn't necessarily fully who I was and that there were other parts of me I wasn't developing. Um, so for me, it's been a really nice change for one. It dropped like 99% of my stress, Yeah, <laughs> sure. right? Like phone calls in the middle of the night. I was working, I was pretty aggressive. Part of the reason that financially I'm well off is because I worked really hard. I ran my own business. I side hustled like a crazy man. I built all sorts of passive income streams. So I, I really worked very, very hard for those years, yeah. um, but they were hard. They were not good years and they were great years in some ways. I mean, being a doctor in in some ways was amazing. I mean, I I got to be part of the human condition and be there for people and actually have the skills and knowledge to hopefully help people when they really need it. I mean, that's a powerful thing. So I'm very thankful for all those things. But when I left, I was ready to leave. 
It feels really good to be productive, but a lot of the time it's easier said than done, especially when you need to make time to learn about productivity so you can actually, you know, be productive. But you can start your morning off right and be ready to get stuff done in just a few minutes with the Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day podcast. New episodes drop every weekday, so listen and subscribe to Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. That's Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. You care about your money. Of course you do. So why aren't you listening to SoFi Daily? This podcast will keep you updated on the latest news in the stock market and how it could impact your financial life. Stay on top of what's happening. Listen to SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts. That's SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts.